Hi, everyone, and welcome to Meet Me Downstairs. I'm your host and fellow mom, Britt, and I'm very excited to be sharing this stage with you. We are going to get real and honest about the different dimensions of postpartum life. We are going to be joined by a mixture of moms and experts in the field to discuss things like getting back into the actual act of sex with your partner, reawakening the joy of intimacy within yourself, the identity shift of motherhood, different ebbs and flows of relationships, and everything else in between. This podcast is dedicated to moms and our core purpose is to make sure that we are always honoring the woman within the mother. This forum is a place for us just to get together and discuss topics that may not be so easy to do in everyday life. So without further ado, let's get to it and I'll meet you downstairs. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Meet Me Downstairs. I'm super excited to be joined by Ali Prado of the Infertile AF podcast, which is incredible. I love her podcast. She shares such beautiful stories with different women and doctors and stuff like that about infertility and journeys of motherhood. And so when I found her, I really, really, really was so excited to just have her be a part of our conversation because we're talking about motherhood in all different kinds of ways, you know, journeying through it however you do um, and just sharing sometimes honestly the hardships of that process, discussing the toll that it can take on you as a woman within your partnership, your family unit, and just shining a light on the different methods that are out there for women who might be struggling with fertility. So um, I'm so grateful to you, Ali, for coming on and sharing your story and what you do and your podcast as well for those out there who are experiencing some of the similar things that happen. Um, But I'm going to hand it over to you and just let you introduce yourself and who you are and a little bit about your family and anything else. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm super honored that you reached out. And anytime anyone tells me they listen to the podcast, I'm like, really? That's so nice. So thank you. It really, it means the world to me. So um, yeah, I um, I'm Allie and I grew up in Chicago. I live in Brooklyn now. Um, I'm a journalist and I started out in the magazine world, which is kind of now, you know, not really existent anymore. Um, but I've written for various like publications and stuff my whole life. I've always loved my favorite part of journalism was always interviewing people. So it kind of was a natural progression years later to go into doing what I'm doing now. But, um, yeah, it kind of, my world kind of came colliding and like this, I took this new kind of career path when, um, so I'll just tell you my like motherhood journey from the beginning. I won't drone on, but, um, when I was, my husband and I moved to New York um, a year after we got married. And it was funny because we had lived in Chicago before and a lot of our friends were starting to have kids in Chicago. But then when we moved to New York, we were st- kind of starting from scratch. We didn't really know anybody. It was I had just turned 28, I believe, tw- maybe 29. And um, we were like, we can't have kids right now. We're like, we don't even have friends yet. You know, we need to figure out what New York's all about before we can start building our family. So, um, it wasn't until I was 34 that we started to try to have kids. So it was like, you know, years later and I got very lucky that when we started to try a couple months into it, I got pregnant with my daughter who is now 10 
and I didn't have any issues with her um, pregnancy wise. I mean, I did have a condition called placenta previa that your listeners might have heard of. Um, and basically the way that that was explained to me, this is kind of funny actually, was that I was like, what does that mean? And I found out like in retrospect, this is just one of those moments where I realized as a woman, I know so very little about my own body and what's going on inside that a, I had never heard of placenta previa before. And B, when she told me what it was, my doctor's like, oh, that means, you know, the placenta is blocking your cervix and there's really nowhere for the baby to come out. So you're going to have to have a C-section. And I was like, okay, no big deal. And then I said, well, what would happen, you know, what happened to people before cesarean sections were invented? And she's like, oh, both mother and baby would die. And I was like, whoa. Right. (laughs) So that like got really real, really fast. I was like, shit. Um, Okay. Well, that's not good. But thankfully, C-sections were invented and I did have one and it wasn't that big of a deal, thankfully. And she was healthy. And like I said, she's now 10. So um, it wasn't until a couple years later that we even started to try to think about having another kid. And again, it was just because we lived in Brooklyn in like a walk-up apartment, getting around, like navigating the city with a baby was pretty tricky. And, you know, it's like you don't have the car and you can't go to the big suburban Target with like your giant SUV and all that stuff. So we were like, we can't even, we can barely like keep it together with one kid, much less think about having another one. But we knew that we always did want to have more, or I did at least. Um, and so it wasn't until I was about 38 that we started to try for the second one. And I did end up getting pregnant pretty soon after we started to try. Um, and I had a miscarriage and then I got pregnant again and had, and it was a pretty early miscarriage. It was like less than probably 10 weeks. Then I had another one. I had another one and then I had a fourth one Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, something's going on here. Um, And it's crazy because this wasn't that long ago, but nobody was talking about this stuff. Nobody was talking, you know, like I had friends that were like, oh, I've had a miscarriage. It's pretty common. No big deal. But I certainly didn't know anybody that had recurrent miscarriages. And I remember one day I went to um, Barnes and Noble, which is like a bookstore here or around the country. And um, I walked in, I was looking for like miscarriage books. It's like, there's got to be some like girlfriend's guide kind of thing where it's like real talk. And I couldn't find anything. They were all very clinical. I mean, there weren't many at all to begin with, but the ones that I did find were very kind of clinical or just like very kind of boring. Like it was just like, wasn't, it wasn't working for me. And I remember looking online on Amazon and still like, there really wasn't much out there. And again, you know, this was seven, eight years ago now. And podcasts, I think were around, but certainly not like they are now. Yeah. Um, you know, Instagram was just kind of kicking off too. So like there wasn't, I couldn't find like my people and my community to talk to this about. And I remember thinking, this is so fucked up that like, this is such a taboo subject. And it's so sad for us women that nobody is talking about this stuff. So, um, I was like, well, I'm a writer. Maybe I should write a book. But I was like still in the throes of the pain of, you know, recurrent miscarriage and loss. And, you know, what I learned later was called secondary infertility, which is, you know, when you don't have a problem conceiving your first child and then you do when you start to try again. 
Um, I actually had never heard that term before either, which is wild to me. Um, so anyway, I, um, you know, I was in the secondary infertility journey. Someone finally recommended that I go see an RE. So I made an appointment with this doctor that I'd never really heard of. And again, I didn't really have any friends who had gone through any of this. I didn't know much about IVF. Um, and I've said this before, and it sounds so dumb and it's like self-incriminating because it is dumb. But I was like, I thought IVF was for people that wanted to have like multiples. Mm. Like I didn't realize that how common it was and that it was like, you know, something that you could do to have one child and that many people were doing. But I really like, I thought of like, do you remember Octomom? Like, yes. Who had like eight, like that's yes. what I thought of, which is so embarrassing yeah, to that's admit that. Fair, I think. But it I really just goes fair. to show how little this was being talked about in out in the open. Um, so anyway, I went to t see this doctor and he checked me out and was like, well, the good news is you're like an egg superstar. He's like, you've got a really healthy egg reserve. But the problem is a lot of them aren't healthy. So healthy in numbers, but not in, so a big quantity, but not good quality. So he was like, you're actually the perfect candidate for IVF because what I can do is find the good ones. Your husband doesn't seem to have any problems, yada, yada. So I remember going home and, you know, I'm glossing over a lot of this because I don't, I could go on for like six hours and none of your <laughs> listeners want to hear that, but it's not it was true. really, I was really depressed. You know, I was really sad. I'd spent a lot of time on the floor, like beating the ground. Like I was in a movie, like sobbing and being like, why me? Um, I had a lot of baby envy mm -hmm. from friends and just, you know, I'd, I remember seeing Halle Berry, like on the cover of this magazine, Us Weekly. And it was like, she's 47 and pregnant. And mm -hmm. I was like, what? How is that even possible? And like, I don't know Halle Berry, but I'm guessing it probably wasn't a natural pregnancy, but she certainly never said that. You know right. what I mean? So exactly. it was just like, it was like everywhere you looked, it seemed like people were pregnant and getting pregnant very easily. So it was very frustrating and just heartbreaking. And frankly, my husband was like, didn't really want to go down the IVF road. Right. You know, he was really happy with our daughter and so was I. But what I tried to explain was that I love being a mom so much. It's my favorite thing in the entire world that I want to do it again. And like, not that my daughter's not enough. It's the exact opposite. It's that she's so amazing that I want more of that. So it's kind of hard to explain that sometimes because when you're going through secondary infertility, some people are like, oh, you're just being greedy. You already have a kid. Why are you trying so hard? Why can't you just be happy with what you have? And to that, I say like, F you, you know, you don't know how I feel. Like it's not about greed. It's about love. It's yeah. because, you know, you want another child and you want to go through that again. And that's how I felt. So, um, you know, he, he certainly would have liked to have another kid, but I don't know if he wanted to go to the ends of the earth like I would have. And I was just laser focused and I tried everything. And, you know, I did all the things. I like went and saw a psychic. I went to acupuncture. I did like all the yoga and all the soul cycle and tried, you know, getting in the best shape of my life and drank these shakes and these weird herbs. And, you know, it was like, if I could like Google it and they're like, try this, I'd be like, I will try that. Um, Cause it was just like this desire that I could not shake. And I remember like wanting it so badly that like I would beg 
the universe to like, I was like, I wish I didn't want this so much because it's so painful. Like I wanted to not want it so much, but I couldn't stop. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was just like, and I've talked to so many people, you know, after having gone through this now and they're like, I get it. That's how I felt too. Like you, I just wouldn't, I just couldn't shake it. Um, no matter how hard it was. And it was very hard on my marriage. And, you know, I've talked about this before and in my, on my own podcast where I tell my story in the first episode too, where there was a point where we were like, are we going to get through this? Like, this is really, really hard because we were kind of at opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of what we wanted. And again, not that he didn't want another kid. He just didn't understand why I was like torturing myself is what he thought and torturing us. Um, anyway, so we did agree finally to do one round of IVF and that was kind of my compromise. Um, it was a financial thing too, cause none of it was covered by insurance. Yeah. So we had the money thanks to my parents and my husband's parents who both kicked in. Um, we had enough money to do one round and it was like, I had been going to therapy and she helped me realize that I could be happy as a family of three. So we were like, okay, this is our like Hail Mary. We'll do it one time. We'll see what we get. If it doesn't work, okay, we're going to be all right. And we would have been. But I got very, very lucky in that the first round of IVF did work. Um, We had five embryos that we sent off for genetic testing. Um, We got one back that was healthy. So there were four that there was only one shot. I had that, you know, I did the transfer and I did get pregnant. So it was very, very, very lucky. The odds were very, very slim Wow, um, that it was going to work. But um, now I have my son who's four and a half. So I'm really happy that I went through it all. But, you know, now that I've talked to so many people that are going through it still and, you know, some very dear friends of mine are on their like fifth, sixth cycle, you know, some people ended up having to stop because they ran out of money or they just, they didn't want to put their bodies through it anymore. Um, I have many good friends who's, who've adopted and gone the surrogacy route, which I think is, are wonderful options as well, but also very expensive. Um, so I do know how, I knew at the time how lucky it was, but now I know like tenfold, like, wow, that was like kind of a miracle that it, it happened. So anyway, I feel like I haven't taken a breath and let you ask a question. <laughs> and I'm sorry. No um, need. So, I'm so happy yeah, you shared all of that. That's, that's basically, so now, like I said, my daughter is 10, my son is four and a half. And um, yeah, it led me to like start this podcast and this whole other business too. So I'll let you ask a question <laughs> before I throw it back on. Oh, wow. No, thank you so, so much for sharing that. I really appreciate your words as well. And I have, I do have questions just as you were going through, yeah. I was like, okay, I want to yeah, come yeah. back to that and come back yeah, to yeah. that. Go for it. Um, so the first thing that I want to bring, I suppose, awareness to is dealing with that loss constantly over and over and over. That's, and you just, you know, mentioned the pain that you were going through. And I can only imagine, I mean, I've, I've experienced one miscarriage um, and I don't know what, what the future holds, but Mm -hmm. even just from one, the pain of that, the fear of that, when you're going to get pregnant again, you know, experiencing that it's really, really heartbreaking to lose that. So how, how did that kind of or like what emotions did that bring up for you 
part one and then part Mm -hmm. two, what encouraged you to keep going? Because sometimes that can be so defeating. Mm -hmm. Um, the emotions were deep, deep sadness. Yeah. Um, and again, it's like, you know, a lot of people do have one miscarriage. I think all, it doesn't matter how many you have, you have one, doesn't matter how far along you are. You know, it's, it's, it's like, if you've had a loss, you've had a loss and you have to grieve that loss. Um, I feel like as women, sometimes we kind of are like, well, I haven't been through as much as she has, so I can't complain. And, and I always am like, you, you should, if you're in pain, definitely complain because that sucks. Yeah. And, you know, comparing our pain to each other doesn't help anybody. You know, it's, we need to validate what we've all been going through. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just, it was a lot of really sadness, um, jealousy, like I said, of people that were seemingly having babies very easily. Right. And also like, I remember I would see somebody on the subway, for example, and they had like four kids and they weren't paying attention to them. And then like one of the kids like tried to grab the juice from the mom's hand and the mom like slapped the kid. And I was like, Oh my God, does she realize there's like somebody on this train that would give anything to have one kid, much less four, you know, you can have these, which isn't really fair because I don't know that person or their situation, but um, you know, you just, you, it's, you seemingly see kids everywhere and it's hard. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're at the age that all your friends are having babies and you're going to baby showers or hosting them yourself. And, you know, so it was very emotional and it was just, like I said, the thing, I guess, part two of your question is the reason that I kept going was because I couldn't stop. I didn't, I couldn't not keep going. I wanted to stop. You know what I mean? It was just Mm -hmm. like, I didn't in my gut, I just knew that I would never be fully satisfied or happy unless I tried as hard as I could. You know, like I was like, I was worried that down the line I would be like, oh, I should have just tried X, Y, and Z and we didn't do that. So um, that's why. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you mentioned as well that, you know, it was putting a strain on your relationship and your marriage. Mm -hmm. So how did you guys work through those emotions and being on totally different ends of the spectrum? Like what, how did you kind of work through your relationship? Yeah, it was a lot of teary conversations, <laughs> a lot of arguments, um, a lot of drinking and then talking about it because that <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you like get a little loose after yeah. some cocktails and you're like, all right, let's talk about this now. Um, you know, it was just total honesty. And I think finally my husband got to a point where he realized like, oh, she's not just like being difficult and like wanting this on a whim, like she needs to do this. And I don't know, I think at one point he just realized like, okay, we're going to do this together. And we came, like we had been so apart that we finally came together and we're like, all right, let's do this as a team. And then when he compromised, I was like, okay, so now we have a plan and the plan is this and we're going to give it one shot. And like I said, like if it hadn't worked, then we would have been a family of three and that would have been okay. Um, so I think that just having a plan in place and like the fact that we were both kind of giving and taking a little bit made us get through it, but it was, it was rough. It was real rough. 
I mean, I remember like one time we were in the car and I was like, are we going to make it? And he was like, I don't know. Mm. You know, we had to have some real hard talks. And, and he's, you- I've, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, how do you find space to have that communication? Um, it's not easy, you know, especially with like, we did have our little one at home too. Mm. So it was like trying to like, I remember like having, I don't want to get too graphic, but like having like a miscarriage, like physically and like trying to be like, keep her out of the bathroom. Like, don't let her come in here. And you know, like it's hard. And especially in a Brooklyn apartment, like it was like finding the space was not easy, but we would stay up late. And like I said, we'd have some cocktails and we would, that would be kind of the time when we could like hash, hash it all out. We probably should have gone to therapy. (laughs) I mean, I'm a huge fan of therapy. He's not as into it. Um, We have gone a couple times for various things, but, but it was also like, but that's expensive. You know, it's like if, if, you know, we're like, are we going to spend $300 a week to like save our marriage or should we put that towards IVF or our daughter's education? You know, it's like, we don't have, there's so many financial like burdens on this journey that you have to kind of pick and choose. Exactly. And it's hard sometimes to figure out where you're going to prioritize and what deserves this over that. It's difficult for sure. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind me asking, how was your relationship with your daughter during this time of trying? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't mind at all. You can ask me anything. Um, it was fine. I mean, she was, you know, how old was she? She was six when, um, our son was born. So she was little enough that like, she brought me so much joy and it was, you know, like I was so, I'm still, I'm so happy to be around her. She's my kids are just my favorite people in the the world. So it was, it was, it actually made it easier that she was around during this time. Cause you know, she would, we would, I'd be sad and we would just like go to the playground or go to the merry-go-round or play with her dolls. And it was a very good way to kind of keep things in perspective and also remind myself, like, if this is the worst it's going to be, this is pretty damn good. Wow. You know, and she, like I said, we tried to hide like the hard stuff because she was too little to understand it anyway. And I I still think even now she doesn't really know all that we went through. Like she knows mommy has a podcast and talks about infertility a lot. And (laughs) (laughs) there's a swear word in the title of her podcast. Which I love. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I don't know if she really understands, nor should she, right? I mean, it's like, I still barely understand it. So um, she was, she's been great and like a total support system, whether she knows it or not. Oh, that's so special too. Um, and I would love also, if you could just give a little bit of insight into what the IVF process looks like, because like you, I have very little information and we yeah. have, we actually have a wonderful fertility clinic down here in Barbados. Um, yeah. but I would just love to even get some insight into how, how that is. Yeah. So can I, are you like on that path at all or no? No. Okay. Okay. No, not at the moment. No, my son is nine months old. So we're like still fresh um, and not ready to try uh, for number two, but I do want to want to try in the future. Um, Yeah. The reason I ask is I actually put a like a Q&A out on my socials 
for those who are struggling with fertility. And there's a few in Barbados who I know who are having a really hard time trying to conceive. And so they're also the reason why I was reaching out to you and hoping that you would would discuss your journey just so that they know that they're not alone. Because it's the same thing that they were talking about, you know, so many of of us at my age group are getting pregnant and having kids and doing totally. these things and they're kind of struggling behind the scenes and they're not sharing what they're going through as well. And I'm not sure where they're at or if they've decided to go down the IVF route, um, but perhaps it might be helpful to just have a little bit of insight into what that process even looks like. You know, the side effects, the retrievals, embryos, you know, all that kind of stuff, because it can seem so foreign if you haven't even started to do the research yourself. Completely. It's, it is. And I'll try to remember as best as I can, but you know, now it was like a a little while ago. And it's so funny because, um, you know, what I have learned about infertility is like, it's, it's trauma. It's, you know, it's a trauma that you go through. So there is some PTSD that like comes along with it. And I think that I've still have a bit of that. So like some of the stuff I feel like I've blocked out, so I'll do my best to explain it. Um, I mean, there's tons of resources and stuff too, that I'm happy to share with you at the end, or you could even post on your social like later or whatever. Um, but in my personal experience, um, you know, it was, you go in and you get like your initial monitoring appointment. Um, and with me, you know, we had decided, um, like I said, the doctor was like, you're a good candidate for IVF because it was like, I wasn't having problems getting pregnant. I was having problems staying pregnant. Right. Um, and the, the, diagnosis was just poor egg quality, which basically just meant I was old. And like at 35, the quality of your eggs, you know, starts to diminish, which is just kind of a scientific thing at this point that I didn't know about. Um, So thankfully I didn't have any of the other issues that a lot of people going through infertility have like endometriosis or like PCOS or, I mean, there's so much, you know, balanced translocation. There's so many factors or male factor infertility. We didn't have any of that. So I think he probably looked at me and was like, okay, this is kind of like cut and dry, like an easy quote unquote case, I guess you could say. Um, so anyway, it, it basically, you know, when you, they monitor your cycle and then they, they track it and decide when you're going to start and you start what's called like stims, which is like stimulation. Um, so you go on these, this drug protocol um, it's hormones. It's, it's, everybody's is so different, but with me, it was like, it was probably 10 days of injections. Mm. And what they're trying to do is get your, um, ovaries to like produce as many eggs as they can gearing up to your retrieval. Right. So normally, you know, you ovulate one egg per month and this is like, they want you to grow as many as you can so that they can go in and take more out at once and try to get them to fertilize. Also, I should, qualify this by saying like, this is, I'm, I'm like not medical at all. So if I get any <laughs> of these details wrong, I'm sorry, like, don't hold me to it. This is my understanding of it. Um, and some of the terms, like, I don't even know what they're called. There's, there's so many like acronyms in IVF, like your FET and your ERA. And we actually, um, on fertility rally, which I'll talk about later, if we have time is we have like an acronym list of like what oh, all they, what so they all good. mean that you can actually print out or you can like pull it up on your phone when you're at the doctor's office so you can know what the <laughs> hell they're talking about. Um, but anyway, um, and one quick side note was that, so we ordered all these drugs and like I said, 
um, nothing was covered by insurance. So it was this $4,000 box of drugs was going to arrive and it got lost in the mail. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And everything is so time specific. Like Mm -hmm. it's like, you're supposed to start your cycle on this day. And if you miss it, you have to wait a whole nother month. So I'm freaking out. FedEx was like, yeah, we shipped it. It should be there by now. And I'm like, holy shit. $4,000 worth of IVF medication is somewhere in Brooklyn, but it's not here. And I remember we were supposed to go to a birthday party and I was like having a panic attack and, but we like hadn't told a bunch of people. So I was trying to hide it. And my friends were like, what's going on? You're acting weird. And I was like, "Uh, nothing. My husband's like running around at the different apartment buildings to see if he can find it. Like it got dropped off at like the wrong place. Finally, I was supposed to start them the next day. The whole day goes by. We can't find them. I called the clinic. They're like, sorry, we can't just like send you another batch. We'd have to charge you another four grand. And I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so it was just like by the stroke of a miracle, a neighbor like down the street buzzes our um, buzzer at like 6 a.m. the next day, the day I'm supposed to start. And he's like, we have this box for you. And I was like, oh my God. And I like ran downstairs and like jumped on and like gave him the biggest hug. And he was like, hello, we've never met before. (laughs) And I was like, I love you. You're my favorite person. Um, So I did get them anyway. Sorry, that was just a little sidebar. It's um, like meant meant to be though, (laughs) right? It lined up for you. It's crazy though that like your fate is in FedEx's hands basically. There seems to be, there should be like an easier way. There should. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so you do your stims for however many days your doctor has decided, you know, it's, called like your drug protocol and everybody's is slightly different. And then um, they do a retrieval. So you go in for like, it's like an actual surgery where they put you in kind of under like twilight sleep. Right. Um, and then they retrieve your eggs. And I remember I got 29, which is a pretty high number, but again, it's not really about the quantity, it's the quality. So then they watch those and then your partner, if you have one, gives a sample. I mean, some people use a donor or some people just freeze their eggs at that point. Um, but for me, it was my husband. So he ended up giving a sample and then they put the eggs in the sperm together to make embryos. Then they watch the embryos progress. Um, by the fifth day, they're called blastocysts. And um, if you have healthy blastocysts, that's when they can decide if they want to do a transfer, which is when they would like take the best one and put it back into your uterus, or you can do a frozen embryo transfer, um, or you can get them tested, which is what we chose to do because we wanted to make sure genetically, like since I'd had four miscarriages, my doctor's like, there's probably something genetically wrong with the embryos that you had created before. So like your body's actually doing the right thing by getting rid of unhealthy pregnancies. Yeah. Um, so we did have them tested in my case. And then since we had them tested, we had to wait another month to do the transfer. So after we got them tested, like I said before, we had one healthy embryo. And then um, we did the frozen embryo transfer. And then that's when they implant it. And then you have to wait another two weeks to see if you're pregnant. So there's like so much waiting, like all the waiting. So many, such a roller coaster. You know, you're getting news like every step of the way, and sometimes it's good news, sometimes it's bad. It's just like the emotions are running so high. Plus, you're like pumped with all these hormones, and it's just, it's not, it's not fun for anybody wow. involved. 
Yeah. What an incredible experience. So and just to think that they can like take something out of you, take something out of your partner and make mm-hmm. a baby oh outside my God, of your bodies. Right? It's so crazy. Wow. And I didn't know this either. And again, I could be wrong, but I think I'm correct in saying that. So IVF is in vitro fertilization. And apparently in Latin, that means in glass. Mm, so wow. it's like literally like in like, like in- you know, glass Petri dish, they're like making making a baby. So it is, it's crazy. I mean, science is so cool. Yes. It's amazing how far we've come to, and that this is even an option that people have this. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So before we kind of wrap up, I want you to tell us about your podcast and fertility rally and your reason for being, because as I mentioned, I have quite a few listeners who are you know, trying to conceive yeah. and they're really having a hard time. So yeah, um, I'm going to pass them on to your podcast, Please. which I, I have already. And I just oh, would like you're to so do that even, even more. But yeah, tell us about what you're doing and any thoughts that you have for them. Yeah. It took me a minute afterwards to, like I said, the PTSD was real. And, um, you know, as a writer and journalist, people were like, you should write an essay about your, you know, what you went through. And, you know, I had a couple different publications approach me and can you write about this? And for like the first probably year after I had my son, I was like, no, too raw. I can't go back there. Like I was in the depths of despair and I can't even revisit that right now. Um, but finally I came around and I think I got over it a little bit and I was able to. So I think I'd said before I was, I started to write a book and that wasn't really going anywhere because publishers were like, this isn't going to sell. Like nobody wants to read about this, which is, was, it kind of pissed me off and it yeah. still does. Cause I know that that's not true. Um, but anyway, so the book, I was like, all right, screw that for now. Um, and then I thought, oh wait, I love podcasts. Um, and this was like in 2019, the beginning of 2019. So I thought, you know, I love interviewing people. I had just interviewed somebody for Rolling Stone magazine and I was coming back home and I was like, that was so fun. I love talking to her. And then I was like, wait, duh, this idea that I've had, like, instead of doing a book, I should do a podcast because then I can, A, I don't need to wait for somebody to fucking green light it. I can do it myself. I don't need some publisher to approve it. And, you know, I'll just put it out there. And if people listen to it, cool. And if not, oh, well, but no harm, no foul. Um, So it all happened pretty quickly. I launched it in March, 2019. um, And I always said that I was going to tell my story in the first episode because I thought if I'm going to ask people to like bear their souls and like get really real with me, I need to air out all my like messy shit first and like (laughs) lay the groundwork and let them know that like I've been through it too. So I did my story first and then every episode since then has been a different person that has gone through either infertility or building their modern families in like a non-traditional way. So I've talked to same-sex couples that have, you know, gone the surrogacy route. I've talked to people that did years and years of IVF on their own and ended up, you know, deciding to not have kids after all. Um, I've talked to like single mothers by choice, you know, basically anybody that's, that's, like I said, building their family in like a non-traditional way. So it's not just like infertility. Um, it's kind of beyond that now. And my goal is to just be as diverse as possible. Um, 
and every episode, you know, just, you know, I've had some guys on, I've had, you know, I've tried to be racially diverse. You know, it's, I had this woman, Nichelle on my show who is um, African-American and she was talking about how, you know, in the black community, like women don't really talk about this very often. And she's been trying to like, you know, open the conversation more. And I wish I could say that I've had more like black women on my show and I'm aiming to do that, but like, it's, she's right. You know, like I would love to, and I wish that especially what's going on now in the world, like I republished some of the, the episodes that I had done with women of color and we're doing an, um, an event next week called infertility and women of color at fertility rally. Um, but you know, my goal again was just to like, I want all voices to be represented and I want all stories to be told. So some of them are really sad. Some of the episodes are funny, you know, it just kind of, there's so much that goes on in this world, but the one common thread is that they're all just very honest and real. Um, and I just, you know, the, the main goal is just to let people know that they're not alone. Cause I felt so alone, even though I wasn't alone, I had tons of friends and family, but it was like, unless you're in it and you're talking to other people that are, have been in it, you still feel kind of alone. So that's what I'm trying to avoid. So, um, yeah, that's the podcast and it's been, it's been awesome. It's been really, really fun. Um, the 66th episode just came out and I've got like 20 more recorded and we roll it out once a week. And, um, yeah, if anybody listening has a story, they can always email me or reach out to me. I'm always looking for, you know, different stories and just sharing. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like there's no, nothing bad can come of people being honest about what they've been through. Right. You never know who's going to hear it and be like, oh, I thought that was just me. I agree. And that's like exactly why I've done this as well. Cause I'm sure you, you know, too, in my postpartum journey, I felt super alone and super yeah, isolated. Totally. And I found myself Googling all the time, like all these things that were happening and like really fluff piece articles would be coming up. And, you know, so I found it so difficult to just find honest information and that's what I wanted to do. And I've had you know, I've actually recorded quite a few efforts. I didn't even think it was going to progress in the way that it, that it has, but people are so women, especially are in this new age of willingness to share, which is so special because it hasn't been like that. I feel like we're in this new, new era where it's like, no, let me give you, give you my information because I don't ever want to feel alone again. Totally. And I think that as like, I'm so proud to be a woman. I've never been prouder. Like the way, like every single person on my show, either before we start recording or after or at the end has been like, I just hope this helps somebody. Like everybody's coming at it from that point of view, which just yeah. makes me so happy because it's like, there are so many great people in this world and we just want to like ease each other's pain. Yeah. And you know, it's like, it's just so, it's so awesome to see everybody like lifting each other up. I agree. And whoever yeah. said that women don't help women, I will shoot Never. them right down, oh right? What an awful that's stereotype. So, yeah. That's such an antiquated notion from like a different generation. Like this exactly. generation is, is all about helping each other. And if you don't mind, I will say quickly what the fertility rally is too, because yes, it's kind of do. like an extension of the podcast. Yes. Um, and I'll keep it brief, but basically, um, Blair Nelson, who has a Instagram called Fab Fertility, and she also has a podcast. She is actually going through IVF right now. She's on her fifth round. Wow. Um, she was on my show 
and then I was on her show and we became friends and we just had a lot in common in terms of what you and I were just saying, like mm-hmm. how, trying to help each other out and like, how can we collaborate? How can we get our, both of our messages out there? How can we help more people? So we formed um, this company called Fertility Rally and we call it the worst club with the best members because <laughs> it's that. like, that's how we feel about this community. It's like, nobody wants to fucking be in this club, but the people who are, are so awesome. And like, I've just met some really like lifelong friends. And even the first time I've talked to someone, I'm like, oh, this is like a bond we're going to have forever. Um, And you know, probably from talking to people Mm -hmm. too on your show, like just there's that instant bond. Um, Anyway, so we started Fertility Rally and it's a website that has like content. We do a lot of virtual events and um, yeah, if anybody wants to check it out, it's fertilityrally.com. So that's all. And then my last question so my sort of tagline for this podcast is that we're always honoring the woman within the mother because sometimes yeah. she can get really lost sometimes. Um, so what do you do to make sure that you're always honoring the woman within you? Mm, that's so good. I know I've been thinking about that because I read that that was your, and I'm like, what am I going to say to that one? <laughs> um, I think it's just remembering that you can definitely be an amazing mother but still have your own life. Um, like before our daughter was, was born, remember my husband and I were like, we don't want to be those parents that like have to leave the restaurant at six 30. Cause it's our daughter's bedtime and we can't stay out and have fun with our friends. Um, and things like that, where we were like, we want to bring her into our life. Like, we're not going to like revolve it around her. Cause I don't think that's healthy either. Not that going to bed at six, that maybe that's a bad example, but you know <laughs> what I mean? It was like, we still want to have our life because if we can't have fun and if we can't be fulfilled and exercise and do all the things that we need to do to feel good about ourselves. And it's all about the kid. That's not healthy for anybody. So I think the, the gist of that is like, don't make it all about the kid because nobody benefits from that. You know, you have to have your own thing going too, or else you're not going to be able to be a good parent and be there for them in all the ways that you should be. Amazing. Well, thank does that you. That makes sense. Yes, it does. 100%. No one's going to put that on a bumper sticker. It's a no. little lengthy, but you know what I mean? <laughs> no, but it's true. It's true. It's true. They're part of your unit, you know? So yeah. Yeah. It's nice to be able to even look at it from that perspective, because I think you normally think when the baby comes in, your life revolves around them. And while it does, it's important to even just rename that and be like, well, actually, no, they're part of our life too. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Like you can make it be about them, but in the context of still having your world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and sharing so much. I was so excited to talk to you. I'm such a fan of what you're doing too. And just the open communication in so many different ways. So thank you for asking me to do this and thanks for taking the time. Oh, well, I really appreciate you. It warms my heart every week to see all of the amazing countries that are represented in our listening. It's amazing that I get to connect with all of you through different stories of mothers, and I can't wait to continue to bring incredible stories to you. If you're really enjoying these episodes, I really hope that you'll subscribe and leave a review because I love, 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 love 
to hear what you guys think. And also, if you have suggestions, feel free to leave them or DM me on Instagram. It's a community that we're building, and it's one that I'm so incredibly proud of. Thank you so, so much for your support. And I can't wait to continue to build our relationship episode by episode. I'll see you next week.